And Lord Jesus, I pray that our hearts will be open, Lord, all of us, to receive all that you have for us today. Lord, that it gets better and better each and every day. And we praise you for that. And we give you praise, Lord, for everything. Lord, I pray that you might use me as your instrument to proclaim this message to your people, that our hearts would be open to receive all that you would have for us today. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Two brothers, Charles and John, grew up in a very, very strong Christian home. They received an abundance of religious training throughout their lives, from, from grammar school to junior high to high school. And then as they grew a little bit older, they both, both of them decided that they wanted, but that God was calling them into the mission field. So that's what they did. After three years of a, they, well, they would call this a very, very generic, unsuccessful ministry, they decided that they need to reevaluate their powerless ministry. So they came home, hung around for a while, and listened to different teachings and whatever, until they heard this one man talk about having a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. And they realized when they listened to this man that he had something that they didn't have. They had the head knowledge, but they didn't have the heart knowledge of Christ. So after a short period of time, they became spirit-filled, born-again Christians. And their lives at that moment changed. They couldn't believe it. So both of the boys, Charles and John Wesley, became key figures in the development of the Western church. In fact, one of them, I don't know which one, Charles or John, they became, uh, wrote a lot of the hymns that we sing because of them. Two men, you know, their story reveals a truth that I believe every seeking Christian needs to understand that it's not simply knowledge about God. It's more than that. It's having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the name of the game. That is what we're called to be. And, and coming from a traditional pastoring, a church, that was never the case. There again, I'm not throwing church on the bus, but I'm trying to be very, very honest. You know, this being born again, that's the bulk of this church. That's not the norm for mainline churches. This isn't. This is different to them. But I want us to listen to Jesus' words from Matthew 7, verses 21 and 23, because he really talks about this, the importance of of, of really following Christ. Are you with me? Okay. Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? 
and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform miracles, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Many professing Christians, they go through the motions. They're involved in church, come every, every Sunday, but their actions are not enough if they don't know him personally. When Jesus returns, many will be surprised to find out that they were never saved at all. That sounds tough, doesn't it? There are many that are in churches today that when they die, when Jesus returns, they say, you never knew me. But God, but God, I did this, I did that. He says, no, 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 you never knew me. You never knew me. That sounds sobering, doesn't it? That sounds harsh, but those really are Jesus' words. Not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Those are Jesus' words for us, words of warning. I think I get more concerned. We talk about the secular world, the secular world. I get more concerned about the Christian world, the churches across our land that are, are, are drifting so far away God. You know, I say, I, you hear me say that a lot because I lived it for 14, 15 years where this language is so, so foreign. It was all about do this, do that. You know, I'm a good person. You know, I come to church. I give some money. I do this, I do that. But there's never a relationship with Jesus Christ. How can you, being married for as many years I've been married to this woman, we develop a personal relationship with each other? You know? You know what it's like being married, that personal relationship? That's really, in a sense, what God wants with us to feel Him and to love Him, you know? And, he, and to understand He loves us, words and all. None of us are perfect. None of us are, Rudy. You know? And yet he still loves us anyway. That is worth repeating. He still loves us anyway. So let's look at who God is and why it is so important to really, really know him. My first uh, thought is knowing God as the Lord Almighty. We're going to Isaiah 44, 6 through 8. Isaiah 44, 6 through 8. This is what the Lord says. Israel's king and redeemer. The Lord Almighty, I am the first and I am the last. Apart from me, there is no God. Who then is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and lay out before me what a what has happened since I established my ancient people and what is yet to come. Yes, let them foretell what will come. Do not tremble, do not be afraid. Did I not proclaim this and foretell it long ago? You are my witnesses. Is there any God besides me? No, there's no other rock. I know not one. 
Isaiah calls God what? The Lord on money. Who can compare with God? In verse 6, he says, I am the first and I am the last. All of life, eternity, is wrapped up really in this one simple phrase. This means everything that exists, time, space, humanity, history, have become his footstool. And it goes all the way back to Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then we go from Genesis, then we go to Revelation chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus declaring, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord of God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. God and Christ stand at the beginning and the end ushering in the new creation. God is sovereign, the one who brings everything to pass. We all know that. You can say amen. We know that Jesus not only judges our deeds, but more importantly, judges what is in our hearts because that's where our motives, love, and allegiance lies. It's in the heart. Jesus always looks into the heart. That's the seed. That's the place. He knows those who are just giving him lip service. He knows those that know a lot about him, a lot of history, but they don't know him in their hearts. That's where he's going to the heart of the matter. Amen? Therefore, knowing the Lord Almighty, person takes on a new meaning when he says in verse 8, Do not tremble, do not be afraid. Did I not proclaim this and foretell it long ago? You are my witnesses. Is there any God besides me? No, there is no other. Rock. I know not one. Behind this assurance, do not be afraid. We find the immovable God, our rock. That's God's word. He calls himself the rock. I'm the rock. I'm immovable. What comfort that is. Do you feel that? Do you feel that in Christ you can do all things? He's trying to build us up and, and, and encourage us and strengthen us to understand just who he is. Number two, knowing God as creator. Isaiah 44, 24 through 28. Listen carefully. Not that you haven't been already, but this is, uh, uh, I think this is really, really important. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, who formed you in the womb. I am the Lord, the maker of all things, who stretches out the heavens, who spreads out the earth myself, who foils the signs of false prophets and makes fools of diviners who overthrows the learning of the wise and turns it into nonsense, who carries out the words of his servants and fulfills the predictions of his messengers, who says of Jerusalem, it shall be inhabited of the towns of Judah, they shall be rebuilt, and of the ruins I will restore them, who says to the watery deep, be dry, and I'll dry up your streams. Who says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd, and I will accomplish all that I please. He will save Jerusalem, let it be rebuilt. 
and of the temple, let his foundations be laid. <coughs> God the Creator spoke everything into existence. He called into existence the billions of stars in our neighborhood called the Milky Way. He called into existence the billions of galaxies that make up our Earth. And he called into existence this planet. This planet. And everything that lives in it. Can, just think about that just for a moment. Billions of galaxies that make up, you know, our universe. We got, he created this earth and everything living in it. And here's the beauty of it all. He never leaves out one single detail. Now think about this. Now, Drew, where, where we go real deep. You see what I'm talking about here. Consider the woodpecker for a moment. The woodpecker. Did you know that God put, I'm not making this up, God put a little pad, a padded cushion in his head. You know why he put that little padded cushion in, in its head? To prevent it from jarring his brain as he, you know, as he pecked a hole in the bark of a tree for food. Now stop and think about that. God is so into the, into the detailed things. Can you imagine? This is very important, especially to the woodpecker. I mean, can you imagine if you found like a portable beak and you strapped it to your forehead, okay? And don't then go to a tree and start pecking on that tree and see how far your brain gets with that one. You see, it's amazing. God, every little detail. Take your feet, for example. You know, everybody stand up. Could you stand up for a minute? <coughs> because sometimes our feet, they don't, our feet, they just don't get the respect they need. Now, take a look at your feet just for a moment. Look at mine. And they are so important to the body. You know, like we're standing up. You know where are your weight's going? To your toes. You know? Then you can rock back to your heel. You know? So it controls your weight distribution. It controls when you walk, when we walk. That's the feet keeping us in balance. You can sit down. I'm sorry. Keep here. You know? And so God, every little detail, whoever would have thought, when we, if we were creating, we'd say, let's create some toes. You know, and that's going to be, that's going to hold up the whole body when we walk, we jog, run, or whatever. It's amazing what God can do, and then we continue. It's the God who claims in verse 24b, I am the Lord, the maker of all things, who stretches out the, the heavens, who spreads out the earth by myself, is the one who formed you and me in the womb. The same God who said through Isaiah, Israel would return to Judah, and Jerusalem would be restored the same God who would frustrate, he would frustrate the sorcerers. He would frustrate the false prophets who foresaw disaster to Israel if they returned to uh, Judah. That same God. 
verse 28. I love this one, this verse. Who says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd, and I will accomplish all that I please. He will say of Jerusalem, let it be rebuilt. And of the temple, let his foundations be laid. Let's stop right there. Can you imagine? Can you imagine some of these prophets when they when they heard some of these prophecies like, what does this all mean? But I want you to consider this. Isaiah prophesied that Cyrus would shepherd this project 150 years before he ruled. What was God's pleasure here? This, he said, to accomplish what, to, what he pleased. His pleasure to what? To bring down Babylon, free the exiles, you know, rebuild Jerusalem, and lay the chins. God's motivation was not only for the Israelites, but for us today. For his pleasure, as we look into the heart of God, we see that his love and his redemption, his restoration, and his keeping his promises are all the core of his character. We trust and walk with a God who does all these things for us and more. We can know this incomprehensible God intimately. That's the key. I think sometimes people get hung up with that. How can we really know this incomprehensible God intimately? But we can. And that's what he wants from us. He wants to have that that personal fellowship with us. He just longs for it. That's what he wants. I'm speaking to the choir, right? Some of you. But it's good to have this reinforced. Amen? I need it. I'm older than you, so you should need it too. No, so this leads me to, my, to our third point before our communion. And we're talking about point number three. Our task is to know Jesus personally. And I chose Revelation 3.20, or God did. Jesus said, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Now, there are all kinds of churches stretched across our land today. We got the small church. We got the medium church, probably everything in between. Then we got the larger church. Then we have the mega church. Unfortunately, so many of these churches have pushed Jesus. They pushed him outside to stand alone, knocking at the door. So many Christians who claim to be Christians have pushed Jesus outside of their hearts. I want to know something about God, but I don't want to get carried away with some of those Bible-banging religious fanatics that talk about knowing Jesus personally. I don't want that. I don't want that. But I just want a little bit. But I don't want it all. I had a conversation or Rudy and I, this is a couple of weeks ago or whatever, you talking about, I, I think it was at Wednesday Prairie, so you talk about attendance a lot or something like that. I'm not picking on you, Rudy. And uh, I think that every pastor 
feels pretty much that are born again the same way. You know, it's not that, that you want the numbers, but that you know that when you have empty seats, then, then people are not coming to the Lord or there's not an opportunity to share the gospel with them. So numbers are important. They are important. And they should be important to all of us. A recent, are you ready for this one? I'm glad you're sitting down because this is going to blow you away. A recent Gallup poll showed that only 47% of Americans believe in God. If you do Barna studies and other studies, that is way, that is so, so low. That's the lowest that, that Gallup has ever found. And it's not only in the United States, but that percentage is pretty much hovering around other countries as well. That is pathetic. That is pathetic. Now, I know that we have, Drew is a pastor, I'm a pastor, John, that's pathetic. The bottom line is this, it's a matter of preaching and teaching what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. If it's all about potlucks and cupcakes and even picnics or whatever, if that's what we're all about, boy, we're missing something. It's all about finding Christ in our hearts because God knows when, we, when Jesus is in our hearts, it makes life a whole lot easier, doesn't it? Can you remember, can you remember before Christ in your life? Can you remember how that was for you? And then can you remember what happened when Christ came into your heart, how your life changed. Everything seemed to change. That's the way it's supposed to be. As the Spirit of God moves in you and convicts you, He changes our values, everything that we think of, think about. Like I've said before, my wife was raised Presbyterian. wasn't supposed to say it. The word was wrong on the camera there. I didn't say it. Drew said it. And I remember part of Jan's testimony was this. I, read, I went to Sunday school. I went to youth group. I sang in the choir. I was so involved in church. And then her late friend brought her to Jesus and said, Jan said, uh, uh, Sandy said, do you know Jesus? She said, well, I know about him. I, yeah, I study him. She said, no. Do you know him personally? She said, you don't know him. You know about him, but you don't know him personally. When she accepted Jesus Christ as her personal Lord and Savior, that changed her life. That's what Jesus does. He transforms us. He changes us. Amen? You know what I'm talking about? Those that know, that, that's what he does. That's the spirit moving in us. That's what God wants us to be. Again, we go back to Jesus said, here I am. I come in. I'm standing at the door. I'm not. Anyone who hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in, eat with him, and he with me. Just think of it. The creator, the almighty, the redeemer. 
He's knocking at your door. Make it personal. He's knocking at your door. He's knocking at your door and he wants to come in because he wants to eat and dine with you. And when he comes, he's the bread of life. He'll feed you spiritually and you'll never grow hungry. Now, consider this. It's football time and, and people get together and they, uh, you know, they watch a football game. What usually happens? Well, let's order pizza. Or we do this with family night every Friday. Family comes together. Some can make it, some can't during the course of any Friday night. But usually on the menu is pizza. Somebody orders it, comes to the door. Ah, okay, that'd be, what, $30, $40. But it's like, okay, I can hand it to you, but I want the money. You can't eat that until I get the money. It costs us something. But consider this. When you open that door of your heart to Jesus Christ, when you open that door of your heart and say yes to him, Jesus, I want all of you. I want your heart. I want my heart to be, in, be reconciled with your heart. That's free. That piece that costs something. But to be in Christ and have salvation is free. And when we call and ask Jesus to come into our hearts, what happens? It changes our lives. Right? It changes everything. It's the beginning. It's the beginning. I asked Jesus into my heart in the early 70s. And it changed my life just like that. When I said, Jesus, if you are who you say you are, come into my heart. I don't understand it. I don't quite get it. But I want all of you, if you are real, come into my heart. And for me, it was bells and whistles. For you, it might not be been that way. But boy, I knew, amen, true, you know what you know what you know when Jesus Christ is in your heart. It's an undeniable feeling, a presence, you know. You know, I'm, I'm in that camp. If some of you aren't, I, I, I don't personally apologize, apologize for that. But I say this because with the bottom of my heart is I've been in a denomination where we didn't do this. And that always burdened me because as a born-again Christian, you know, I'm wearing a, a robe, a liberal robe. And if we didn't talk about this, guess what? I don't want any of you to be left behind. This might, for some of you, this might be your only chance to make that decision for Jesus Christ. Don't let it slip away for you. Don't. So this is the time I want all of us to be in prayer. And as we're in prayer... For those of you who have never asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart and to be your Lord and your Savior, your Redeemer, 
This is your opportunity. This is your moment. And guess who is watching? Guess who is knocking? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And for those of you who don't know him as your personal Lord and Savior, just please pray the simple prayer with me. Pray it in your heart. Lord Jesus, I ask that you come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. Redeem me. Teach me. And help me through your spirit to love you and to serve you each and every day. Pray it. Pray it. He's knocking. Let him in. Let him into your heart. He's waiting. And he's got tears in his eyes as he waits for you to open your heart to him. He loves you so much. Let his love come in. Let his love come in. We thank you, Lord, and we give you praise for such an awesome moment this is. And I pray also, Lord, for my brothers and sisters that know you and have known you for years and, and just live for you. I rejoice with them, Lord. Pray you continue to bless them and, and that you bid them to grow in you. There's so much, Lord. We, can, we, we are already, but not yet. There's so much to learn, Lord. Help us to continue on the path of learning more about you, Lord, and loving you more and serving you. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you have, when you received Jesus, asked Jesus Christ into your life, were any of you surprised how easy? You know, how easy? You know, that's an amazing thing. Some people...